All right, here we go. The next episode of the Musings of Dirtbag Duke. Hope you're doing well, staying healthy, staying safe out there. What is science? How is it defined? If we go to the old Googler, science is the observation, identification, description, experimental investigation, and theoretical explanation of phenomena. Okay? Observation, identification, description, experimental investigation. Okay? Kind of, kind of vague, I guess you can say, but... Um, in another way, I, they've... It's, it's been described as a rigorous systematic endeavor that builds and organizes knowledge in a form of testable explanations and predictions about the world. Okay, testable, right? Experimentation, testable. Okay. But it seems as of late that science is kind of whatever anybody decides that they want to define it as themselves that fits their narrative. And th- there's no real testing or experimentation being done that I've seen where they can draw these conclusions. Specifically, in this article that I've read uh, the other day from Zero Hedge, or at Zero Hedge um, by Tyler Durden. It was authored by actually Autumn Spread Spreadman via the Epic Times. Dated Sunday, October 15, 2023, from Zero Hedge. Climate activists seek to save the planet by cutting down and burying trees. Tree thing is a disputed procedure that has drawn as much criticism within the environmental community as support. Many scientists, researchers, and con- uh, conservationists are against it, saying tree thinning can even worsen wildfires. However, America's woodlands have been cold for more than two decades for fire management. Now, climate activists are jumping into the conversation with a carbon capture argument for tree thinning. Activists such as Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates have thrown their weight and checkbooks behind the practice of cutting down trees and burying them to address fears over carbon emissions. Blah, blah, blah. Talking about his foundation. We must dramatically accelerate forest thinning treatments. During the New York Times Climate Forward Summit in September, the billionaire didn't hesitate to share his thoughts on the role of planting trees to mitigate climate concerns, calling it complete nonsense. In an interview with the New York Times, reporter David Gallus, Gellis, I'm sorry, G-E-L-L-E-S, Mr. Gates, respond, Mr. Gates responded dismissively to the idea that planting more trees can reverse adverse climate effects. That's complete nonsense. I mean, we are the science people, or are we the idiots? Mr. Gates asked rhetorically. Critics are quick to point out 
holes in the logic surrounding the, the claimed benefits of culling trees and burying them. This is a spectacularly bad and, and counterproductive idea. Chad Hansen, research ecologist and co-founder of the John Muir Project, he told Epoch, Epoch Times. He said existing trees and forests are five, far, by far our best and most effective means to reduce any excessive carbon in our atmosphere. Additionally, selective culling poses a risk to old-growth trees, which indicates captured vastly more atmospheric carbon than their younger counterparts. Living trees store a massive amount of atmospheric carbon. One estimate puts CO2 storage value of U.S. forests and grasslands at 866 million metric tons per year. For perspective, that equates to annual emission of about 50 million gasoline or diesel-fueled in, blah, blah, blah. So we have... And forever since I've known that the basic knowledge and science that trees take carbon monoxide, take carbon CO2 and convert it into oxygen, which humans breathe. So why would you take something that's a filter? You're trying to eliminate carbon. You're trying to reduce carbon. Why would you take that process, that filter out And say that it's scientific, that, that, that it doesn't, that it's not part of the process, that's, that's just stupid. And it's, it's, it's this narrative of wanting to, I think, control and reduce the population. Like, I wasn't sure about it, and I was kind of skeptical, but I think there is this push out there to reduce the population, that they are really honestly trying to do that. And so by... Eliminating trees and oxygen producing or converting into oxygen, the, the trees will eliminate that process, that filter. Then they're thinking that maybe that's going to have an effect on the overall population because there's not going to be enough oxygen to support the human life. Like, where does, where does, where do these guys come up? It's a hoax. It's a joke. It's false. It's a lie. When, when you have a scientific proof that trees are part of that process and you are so-called wanting to reduce the emission of CO2, you've got that process there and you want to bury it? And then he's calling this people idiots because they want to follow the science? Like, it just, it, it, it can't be, this can't be real life. This can't be true. And why that people buy into this bullshit is, is beyond me. Like it's just complete garbage. And we just and people are buying it up because the guy is so-called smart and he's wealthy. Uh, he might be computer smart, but he's not science street smart, that's for damn sure. And and liar 
a grifter on top of that. Just to, because it's, you're trying to blow this off as being, or trying to blow up everybody's ass about being science. And it's not. Yes, there should be some thinning for to help control forest fires. That makes sense. That's scientific. And in the same point, there should be more planting of trees. More tree planting to replace what's being taken out. ridiculous and just because he's got a lot of money everybody thinks that he's so so right but I guess he's got you know the megaphone but it needs to be called out it needs to be continually called out for this for being lies and for again for future generations Like I think that's that needs to be our goal and and our plan as as old timers is to is to lay this stuff out for future generations to see to hear to understand and to know what kind of garbage because it tends to repeat itself so this is it may go away today but it's going to come back later when somebody's going to try the same garbage or it's going to come in in a different form. And so I think we really need to be on the lookout and sounding the alarms to, to tell these younger generations this stuff is crap, it's garbage, don't buy into it because it's going to have a negative impact on you and your family in the future. And just because somebody calls it science with no true testing and continually testing and having these theories and hypotheses and going through that process, you can't just call it science because you want to call it science. It's not how it works. So hopefully at some point, the message will continue to be told that this is a lie and it's not true. There's no basis for it. I apologize. I'm having trouble finding this other statistic that I wanted to move into, transition to, so I apologize for the Lengthy pause there. Changing gears. Kind of quick transition today, but nonetheless, keep things moving. Uh, Unusual Whales, at Unusual Whales, posted yesterday. Employees are more unhappy now that they were, now now than they were during the height of COVID-19 pandemic per Axios. So going back to uh, probably 2020, it was over uh, 44. 
So this is a monthly survey, at least 57,000 employees in 1.6 or uh, yeah, 1.6, about 1,600 companies, I apologize, 1,600 companies from June of 2020 to June of 2023. Uh, so sometime in uh, late 2020, it was over 44%. They were satisfied. Then in 2022, it spiked up to almost... So then at the the lowest point, it was 40 between 21 and 22. So it dropped down to 40 there, spiked up to 44, and is progressively declining at the 37.2 it is in 2023. So... Uh, probably the most that there's been dissatisfaction. And I think a lot of that, and unfortunately they don't give me the information through this one and can probably look it up, but to give you kind of the, the Duke two cents worth of it, I, I think part of it is that people wanted to, people enjoyed working from home or have the ability to work from home when they, when they wanted to, if not most, if not all the time. So they were able to kind of go wherever they wanted to in the country, some, not all, but, but they had that option of working from home or, and or they were you know, relocating and living somewhere else. And so they were having that opportunity there also. So they could live wherever they wanted in the country, have that place out in the middle of nowhere, but still keep that position that they liked. And so when they were kind of forced to go back you know, um, working from home, kind of really messed that up for every, for them. So I think that that's part of it, and I think just the overall increase in, um, well, the poor economy, uh, inflation, increased inflation, um, and probably not seeing the, the, the wage increases. And then also just, I guess, kind of this back to not treating their employees maybe as well as they did before, you know, so before it was kind of, you know, wanted to take care of them, treat them very well, going out of their way to do, do things for them. And then some of that's kind of backed off again because of inflation, because of the poor economy. And so maybe those dollars aren't available that they were before. And so therefore that's being trickled down to them. But I've said this probably at nauseam, and you're probably sick of hearing it and wishing that I would stop saying it, but it's true that, again, the employers that treat their people the best, that go out of their way, are going to be the ones that win at the end and buck the system of the attitude of, you know, the employee works for us and we don't work for them. And be more willing to have some of that flexibility uh, and working, allowing them to work from home. And then also just going through that process to say, hey, there's, you know, here's what, here's what we, you know, what we need, right? Right? I mean, and I've talked about this before, that accountability piece, like people know what 
is expected of them what they need to do in their job. And so if they're not, you know, there's just as much goofing off at, at work that there is as at home. And maybe some people do better in the office than at home. That's fine. But that, you know. But it's not about the big, fancy buildings that, that, were, that are being built, that were built. And now you don't have the use for them. Figure out ways to rent it out or do other things with it. And maybe I'm telling you things that you already know and believe and understand, and I, and I get that, and that's great. But again, that message needs to be passed on. Again, future generations, future leaders, future managers, future bosses, future presidents of companies, vice presidents, whatever, human resources people. Be more empathetic with your people, being more relational with them and, and understanding what they want and knowing that a happy employee is going to perform very well. And they're going to be, they'll succeed and the business will succeed. But it's going to take that full-on effort, that coordination of working together finding out what they need, finding out what's important to them, and then having that mutual expectation between each other. And maybe the, the business world will, will be in that 37%, but maybe you'll be at that 50% or 55% or 60% within your own organization. But it seems like that businesses aren't willing to try for a long period of time. Or they're, they're unwilling to try until people start leaving and then they, then they get, then some, then it gets their attention. Well, that's all I've got for you for this episode. I hope you're doing well, staying healthy, staying safe out there. And until next time, au revoir.